Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Tasty Tidbits Podcast. Get ready to receive rich, well-seasoned, and tasteful tidbits to transform your life. Each week, Dr. Tiffany comes to you with inspirational encouragement and thought-provoking interviews to help you revolutionize your walk with God. Are you hungry for more of His presence? Then get ready. And now, your host, pastor, author, and motivational speaker, Dr. Tiffany Watkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Tasty Tidbits. I am your host, Dr. Tiffany Watkins. I am so excited that you are joining us again here on this episode. I am very excited because you guys know that I am trying to go on a great and a new uh, weight loss journey and just trying to take care of my health. And a lot of people that I've been talking to has really been wanting to take care of their health. And so I thought it would be a great idea on this episode episode is just to talk about how to take care of your health and how um, not to stress out when it comes to eating and learning how to diet. And so I today have a wonderful guest with us today, and her name is Trisha Nelson, and she is going to be talking to us today and giving us little tidbits on how we can best take care of our health and not overeat. And so today I want to welcome Trisha Nelson. Trisha, how are you today? I'm doing great, Tiffany. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on. And I just want to let the listeners know a little bit about you. Um, Trisha, she's lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. Uh, She spent over 30 years researching the hidden cause of the food addiction. She is an emotional eating expert. And also she's the number one best-selling author of the book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional emotional eating now. She is also the host of a popular podcast, The Heal Your Hunger Show. And Trisha has been on the TEDx speaker. She's a highly regarded coach. And she has also been featured on The List, NBC, CBS, KTLA, Fox and Discovery Health. So thank you so much again for being a part of this podcast today, Tricia. And I just want to welcome you here today. But would you tell us a little bit more about yourself? I will. And I, again, I really appreciate your having me. I feel very honored to be a part of your podcast. Um, yeah, so I was an emotional eater from the get-go. I mean, I, as far back as I can remember, I just love to eat. I love to eat. I love to cook food. <laughs> I love to go out to eat. Yeah. It was just a big highlight for me, sit in front of the TV and eat. So it was just a big deal for me. And that would have been fine. But the little, little problem, little detail is that I gained weight really easily. So I gained weight easily by age uh, 20. As you mentioned, I was 50 pounds overweight. So that was really miserable for me. I hated being overweight. I had a roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up in my hands and imagine cutting off like you cut fat off the side of a steak. And I imagine getting some crazy disease where I'd automatically lose weight. Um, I even consider, yeah, some crazy thoughts. I even considered joining the army. So they forced me to exercise at boot camp because <laughs> I hated to exercise. So that's kind of the stuff that went through my head. 
Um, but it that's really indicative of just the fact that I felt so out of control, Tiffany, like, like I dieted, I tried to lose weight, but mm-hmm. I always put the weight back on. So that was the problem for me is I always put the weight back on. And, you know, because of that, I was a yo-yo dieter, um, where I, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like, you know, like <laughs> <Yes>. I, <laughs> I'd, I'd lose 30, then I'd gain 20 and then I'd lose 10 <laughs> and then be back up 30. So I had like five different sizes of pants in my closet because I never knew what size I'd be. So that's, yeah, that's how it went for me. And, you know, that gets really tiring. You know, Mm -hmm. I just sort of was like, really, are we doing this again? And so, cause you feel, you know, anytime I lost weight, it's like, this is it. I'm never doing that again. You know, I'm, I'm done for good, you know, skinny for good, but I, it, I couldn't make it last. And so I'd always go back and it was so frustrating to me. And I basically, you know, at some point, just felt like, God, I can't keep doing this. Like this is mm-hmm. unhealthy. I can't keep living this way. There's gotta be a better way. And I think that was a, a form of a prayer. Like I remember the moment when I thought that I thought there's gotta be a better way and God heard me. And sure enough, like within a couple weeks, well, I have to say I also started getting on my knees and praying. So I think this is a good mm-hmm. place to, that I can say that here is that that right. was, that, <laughs> yes. you know, that turned the corner for me too. And I think it just helps me really make my prayers a little bit louder maybe. And I, two weeks later, met somebody who was able to help me get on a totally different tack and start to lose weight without dieting. So you know, diets have a dismal success rate, like 98% of all diets fail. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the reason for that is that, you know, it, it just deals with the weight and the food, but not with deeper stuff. And, you know, I'd beaten my head against the wall long enough to know that the diets weren't gonna, you know, I couldn't make it last as we talked about. Mm -hmm. And so what this different tack was, is it was really about dealing with why I was overeating, why it was stress eating. Um, and that changed everything for me because I could lose weight, but I put it back. And, you know, my experience is we do that because when we take away the, the yummy foods, the ooey gooey chewy foods, what I, is what I call them, <laughs> the things that make us gain weight, but we don't have something to replace it then it's like only a matter of time before we go back to eating because the food, it wasn't just doing something to me, like making me gain weight, you know, making me pre-diabetic. I mean, all the things that the food will do, but it also was doing something for me. And if I took it away, I didn't have I didn't have what it was doing for me. Um, and so I needed new tool, tools. The food was a coping mechanism. For yes. Me, yes. Right? And you know, Tricia, that's what I was going to say. You know, um, when I first started, you know, I was just like, I'm, I can, I don't know if I can do this because, you know, that's like my comfort, you know, that yeah. was like certain things were just like comfort foods, especially, you know, being busy in ministry, being busy on different boards and things. And it was just easier to get something that seems to just make you full quick and it just comforts you, but not necessarily helping you. Well, that's true. And it's, it is comforting. I mean, there's no question about it. And that's why we tend to overeat on, you know, carbs and Mm -hmm. and high fat (laughs) foods because they're more comforting. I mean, we don't exactly binge on salads, right? So (laughs) (laughs) I remember one time I, I was, I had a coach and 
all I could do for um, the morning is I, in the morning and lunchtime, all I could eat was fruit and salad every single day, fruit and salad. I was like, I am not going to be able to do that every single day. It has to be a different uh, approach because yeah. it, I, it, I want it to be a lifestyle. And I was just like, this can't, I can't do it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it gets boring and no yes. fun. Yes. <laughs> so you, you have to be able to enjoy your food. But what I found to be the real answer is to really address my emotional dependence on food, you know, because so long as I needed it for loneliness, for boredom, for entertainment, you know, for when I felt anxious, you know, when I was using it for those reasons that had nothing to do with my nutritional need, then I was eating more than I needed. You know, mm-hmm. then I, I was snacking and snacky foods are never low calorie foods. They're always nuts and chips and, you know, things that are high calories, you know, chocolate, that mm-hmm. kind of that, you know, puts on weight really fast, makes us put weight on fast. So I had to really take a look at like how this food was serving me, how I was using it. And as I said, find new ways to deal with boredom, with loneliness, with, you know, needing some entertainment, entertainment with anxiety, like there are healthier ways to cope with life without turning to food. And if I didn't get those healthier ways you know, in my toolkit, if I didn't get new tools in my toolkit, I was always going to go back to those snack, snacky foods. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what led you to do the start, uh, heal your hunger. Is that what yes. led you to do that? Yeah. You know, I got help and I started, I worked for many years with my mentor to help people, um, you know, lose weight without dieting and heal your hunger came about when I really wanted to work online with people. Um, you know, cause the internet just seemed like such an easy way to reach more people. So I started Mm -hmm. heal your hunger about four and a half years ago. I started with my podcast called the heal your hunger show. And then I wrote a book that like you mentioned the, the, um, heal your hunger, seven simple steps and emotional eating now. And, um, and then I created a course that people can do online where they're able to go through my step-by-step process. And then we do zoom calls. And, and so as groups, you know, and so in the group, the community, and you know, this just from your church activities and communities Mm -hmm. is that when you do things in community, it makes it so much easier to follow. Yes, yes, yes. And I was thinking about that because when I started back, you know, wanted to make sure that I'm taking care of my body. I said, when I, I can't just go to the gym, I want to be able to take a class that's, you know, fun. And then yeah. we have a triple blast class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And you use the weights. We use all types of um, machines, but also do cardio. But it's fun because it's in a group. And if you're not there, you know, somebody's going to say, where were you today? And it kind of holds you accountable. So that's true. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much easier. I have trouble like doing things on my own. And that's why people even who read my book, they still join my program because they get that community support, which is Mm -hmm. so so vital. And especially because, you know, especially like holiday time when there's so many gatherings and so much really fattening foods around meditation. It's like when you have your people, the people who are also on a healthier plan of eating, who are also trying to make smarter and healthier choices, you can kind of feel supported that way, you know, and then you don't feel the only one who's not eating the potato salad or the only <laughs> one who's not eating the cake, you know, it's like, oh, you have your people who know what it's like to just say no and feel good about it. 
Right, right. So what are the three health mistakes that smart people make that keep them overweight, stressed out and unhappy? Okay, you ready for <laughs> Yes. First one, which is going to seem counterintuitive, but the first one is stop weighing yourself. So we tend to use the scale as our higher power, okay? So we tend to say, <laughs> oh, dear scale, tell me how I'm going to feel today. Yes, yes. And it's just, it, it has too much power, okay? We give it too much power because if you give it the power to make you feel good, you also give it the power to make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Does backfire. Not that it's not good to weigh yourself once in a while, okay? When you go to the doctor or once a month, let's say, fine. But this constant jumping on the scale, like, did I lose anything? Like, did it? Did that workout help? You know, it's like... <laughs> When we're monitoring all the time, it does set us up because here's my experience with the scale is that when, if you get on the scale and you've been working out and doing great, you know, and then the move, the needle hasn't moved, mm-hmm. you, know, you get really discouraged. You're like, screw it. I'm not going to the gym. Yes. <laughs> you know, so yes. not only that, but you, you just sort of get in this funky mood and that can lead to overeating as well. So that's a bad thing. The other thing is if you get on the scale and it tells you something good, like the workouts are working, you know, the smarter eating is working, then there's this little thing in your head that goes, oh, good. Now I can eat the cake, you Mm -hmm. know, now I can have the French fries. And it's like, we give ourselves permission to eat based on having lost a few pounds. And then what happens? We're back up the scale again. And so either way, to me, it sets us up too often. And so I just say, put the scale away, you know, from your pants, how, how you're doing, Mm you know, on self-care, because I really find that we have to get out of the diet mentality and really shift our focus to doing, making healthier choices, doing things that are good for our body, really think about it in terms of health and self-care, you know, rather than the needle on the scale that, that determines our worth, you know? And so that's really, really important. I'm just sort of making that subtle shift. Now, the second, you know, mistake people make is skipping meals. And I know right now skipping meals is a fad with intermittent fasting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. breakfast, but for an emotional eater and by emotional eating, I mean, somebody who is using food for emotional reasons, you know, eating more than just their nutritional um, need, Um, You know, when we basically emotionally eat um, and when we've had this pattern for many years, if we skip meals, we tend to go overboard once we start eating again, like it, it sets up this binge cycle. And so it's really important in my experience to do what I call, this is my own um, name, but I call it three meal magic, which is eating three meals with nothing in between. Because when we skip meals, there's a part of us that's like, oh, now I can eat more, you know, like, or Mm -hmm. during the day, we might eat more just because we are so hungry and we go overboard. So if we eat three meals, you can still do intermittent fasting in that you can put 12 hours between your dinner and your breakfast, you know, so you'll still get the intermittent effect, uh, the fasting effect, but you're eating three meals with maybe four or five hours in between each meal. This is very Um, it's very comforting and soothing for your body because your body does need time to rest in between meals so it can digest. So if we're constantly snacking, we don't give our bodies a chance to rest or at least do its job of digesting the meal. 
So that's one thing, but also it's just very self-caring two, three times a day to feed ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, not be doing these crazy hacks. And I always say to people, would you <laughs> tell me your sweet little daughter that she's going to go without food for 15 hours? Cause maybe it'll like trim her down a few inches <laughs> no. <laughs> away, <laughs> you know, we're going to make sure our sweet baby daughter is fed, right. You know, yes. she gets a good, proper meal and then a couple more meals that day. So, so I just say, let's treat ourselves the way we would our sweet children, you know, let's get back to that. Let's be nurturing and loving towards ourselves and our bodies instead of always pulling out these hacks, these diets, these fads, you know, which never last. If you're an emotional eater, like we already talked about, and you're just doing the diet hacks, you're going to lose out on, you know, some opportunities to really address the underlying causes and, and, and in a more foundational level, make changes in your life. Wow. And, you know, I so, was just, you, I think I have to give you one more. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> So the first one is don't weigh yourself. The second one, I just realized that the second one is um, don't skip meals because it's a setup. Um, and the third one is really easy. And it's just, you know, definitely um, start to uh, deal with the stress. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot mm-hmm. of our eating is stress eating. And the way you can do that is really set up a really nice ritual first thing in the morning where you're feeding your deeper hunger. Okay. Cause it's really not hung a food we're hungry for so much of the time when we're reaching for chocolate and nuts and, you know, drinks and, and that kind of thing is it's really a deeper hunger. So I say, put money in your spiritual bank account first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So you can make withdrawals throughout the day. So I spend my morning, I do meditation. I do prayer. I do spiritual readings, you know, the Bible, like daily readers, something that inspires you and makes you feel full, you know, like it nourishes you at a deeper level, you know, you're like connecting with the Holy spirit, you know? And so (laughs) when you do that, that kind of sets you up for the day to have a much better day. It's not like you're going to be free from stress. None of us are, but when the stress does mount, you've already kind of, you built some stores that day that you can draw on. You can take withdrawals on what you deposited early in the morning. And that's going to make it so much easier to say no to temptation, deal with the stress at hand without turning to food. That's amazing. And you know, and it's so much better because you're so much at peace when you start your day off prayer. Um, yeah. and just like you say, dealing with your inner self, um, because if you're stressed out, your mind, you're emotional. And if you're an emotional eater and you're, you, you're going through mental thoughts and mental ideas and mental problems, then if you're an overeater, you're going to tend to go get something to eat to try to satisfy that emotion, yep. that spiritual need that needs yes. to be said. So that is an awesome um, example. And another thing that what you were talking about is even with uh, stepping on the scale, because I, I I started that at first, you know, constantly just, you know, weighing myself and it would get discouraging because I know I would go to the gym and I know I was trying to make the progress. And then I had someone else say the same thing. You cannot you cannot weigh yourself every day. Just look at your clothes and you can kind of tell how that is working. And so I threw the scale away and I may do it maybe once a month or so, but I don't let that be a factor to the point where it gets me discouraged. And so, Good for you. That's yes. so much better. So yes. much happier. 
Yes, and going to the doctor. And, and, and I also learned too, you may be gaining some muscle weight as well. Right. So you have to be so careful. Exactly. But those are some great, those are some great examples. And also, you know, I was going to ask, you know, why does 98% of diets fail? Yeah, in my experience, it's because they're really focusing on the symptom, you know, overweight is a symptom of overeating and overeating is a symptom of what's eating me. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, the weight and the food is a symptom and I have to start dealing with the stress as we talked about, you know, the, um, the emotions, we haven't talked a lot about emotions, but, you know, I tell people to take the pep test when they find themselves going to the, you know, I used to go to the refrigerator like five times of an evening, like as if something new was going to appear in the fridge. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. And so, yeah. So it's like, okay, what's going on? So I say, take the PEP test and P is an acronym. The first P stands for painkiller. So we use food to deal with emotional pain and there's plenty of pain to go around, whether it's sickness in the family, mm -hmm. whether it's a job that doesn't fit us anymore, or we're out of a job, whether it's, you know, our relationship that's having struggles, a parent that's sick. I mean, life's got lots of pain, right? Mm -hmm. Um, we typically turn to food to anesthetize that pain. So think about it. it. Am I using food to kill or numb some kind of pain? The E in PEP stands for escape because we tend to use food to check out, to just kind of change our reality. And there was nothing, you know, no time when we did this more than when the pandemic hit. I mean, it was our whole lives, everybody's lives were upended and it was really scary. And mm -hmm. people were sort of like at home, just escaping a scary reality that you could walk out your door and get sick. And so um, we use food as a form of escape. Oftentimes, if we're stressed out, if we're worried, if we have anxiety, oftentimes we're going to reach for food. And the last P in PEP, the acronym PEP is pain, or, I'm sorry, punishment, which seems counterintuitive because we eat to reward ourselves. But if you're somebody like me who, who um, has gone overboard, where you're looking like you're all excited about the food you're going to eat in front of the TV, but then you overeat and then you end up feeling sick, and your mm -hmm. pants are like, you're not fitting in your pants and you don't want to go to without with friends the next day because you're bloated, you know, and you feel disgusting. Well, that's no reward. I mean, that's really a punishment. Mm -hmm. you know? And so why would we do that? Well, I feel like as overeaters, we tend to be over feelers and we feel guilty really easily. And we beat on ourselves. We say really mean things to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're on ourselves. We're perfectionists. Mm -hmm. so, right. And then we're yes. super hard on ourselves. And then we just set ourselves up to go do it all over again because we feel so bad from kind of, you know, beating ourselves up from our choices. So it's a, you know, it's a vicious cycle. So again, to recap the pep test, which you can kind of ask yourself when you find yourself really craving foods, you know, it, 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 am I using this as a painkiller as an escape or as a form of punishment? And I feel that this is a kind of a nice way to start recognizing that our choices aren't always just because we like food, but they can be emotionally driven. Uh, that is great. And I know the listeners are going to, they're taking that down and writing that down because you have to really start evaluating it. You know, a lot of times we try to cover it up 
what we're really dealing with when we need to look at what we're really dealing with and deal with it, you know, the stress that are going on. So that is awesome. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to take a commercial break, but after the commercial break, we're going to talk about the difference between an emotional eater and a food addict. And we're also going to talk about emotional hunger and physical hunger and a little bit more. So after the commercial break, we're going to come back. Did you know that prayer affirmations could change your life? Speaking God's word over your life is a tested and proven method to manifest God's will for you. Dr. Tiffany Watkins has created a prayer affirmation book for women and men that combines prayer, meditation, and affirmations to help you achieve your goals and draw you closer to God. In this eye-opening book, you will be able to pray healing affirmations prayers, angelic visitation prayers, wealth affirmation prayers, wisdom affirmation prayers, and so much more. Biblical Prayer Affirmations for the Supernatural is a short but powerful read. It will allow you to set the right atmosphere for supernatural breakthroughs to occur. So get ready to pave the way for God's intervention by declaring these prayers over your life. Don't wait. Get your copy on Amazon today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are here with Tricia talking about our journey to healing our hunger, and we're going to continue. Uh, We were talking about PEP before uh, the episode took a break, but we're going to come back now, and we're going to talk about you know, Tricia, what is the difference between an emotional eater and a food addict? And how much, you know, how does one know which is which, if you could tell us? You bet. Now, I was a food addict for sure. Okay. So I ate to excess. I ate to where I felt really full, not all the time, but often I would eat too much. I'd binge. I was definitely a binger. Um, and my eating is so, so to, to know where you are in the spectrum, and I consider us all to be hardwired to have an emotional connection with food. I think it's just how we're made so that we have, you know, so we eat basically and subsist as a species. Like we got to have some kind of emotional tie to food. So it's not a bad thing. I think we're all emotional eaters. We can all go overboard now and then. It's just that some people can control it better and kind of course correct if they put on a few pounds. Um, but other people, so that's the low end of the spectrum. The high end of the spectrum is somebody like me who gets their ice cream and their cookies and their chips and, you know, pizza and sits down and has a binge. So that's me. And, and the problem with being on the high end is you're more of a food addict. And what that means, if you're, you know, using the same kind of terminology or, or, uh, basically what being an addict means, if you're going according to that, um, it means a lot, like you, you often lose control. Um, Mm -hmm. it means that you have consequences and you do it anyway. So let's say you're pre-diabetic or diabetic and you eat, you eat the sugar anyway, you, you, you know, continue to overeat, or perhaps you have joint pain, perhaps you've had replacement of joints. Um, perhaps you have a heart condition, you have, um, you know, diabetes, you have autoimmune issues. There's all kinds of problems that come with carrying excess weight. And of course, we all know now that it gives, makes us more vulnerable to COVID or there, you know, ramifications of, of, um, you know, viruses. And Mm so, boy, oh boy, there's some serious consequences to carrying excess weight. 
but we eat anyway. So that's somebody who's more addicted to where they're doing it in spite of negative consequences. And I certainly had a lot of negative consequences, but I felt compelled to eat anyway. So it's really a spectrum. And what I've done to make it easy for people is I've created a quiz on my website and the quiz um, will help you determine it's free. It's like takes two minutes to take the quiz, but it'll help you determine whether you're a food addict or an emotional eater or somewhere in between food addiction being on the high end of the spectrum, but you'll get a personalized score and then you'll have a better sense of what you actually are and what to do about it. And I, I give steps on how to, how to uh, deal with this. So, yeah, so it's really important to know. And, and it's, there's no, the, the important thing for people to know is this is not a moral issue. Okay, you're not bad if you overeat, you're not bad if you binge, you're not bad if you're obese, you know, it's really, especially when we're in the addiction range of this, it is something you couldn't possibly have control over. So if you don't have control, don't beat yourself up for not having willpower. Okay, mm -hmm. this is not a moral issue. It's not a willpower issue. I did not have willpower. Like once I started to eat, I just kept going and I had trouble stopping. And so what I needed to do again is look at this more from a stress standpoint, from a self-care standpoint, you know, and start really, you know, taking a look at how I'm living and changing that because if we're just changing our diet, we're going to keep bouncing back, you know, and not being able to follow through. It's not a willpower issue. And I really want to stress that for people because so many people like me, beat themselves up and say, what's mm -hmm. wrong with me? Like, what's mm -hmm. wrong with me? Why can't I do it? You know, Sally and Susie lost 20 pounds. They, right. <laughs> you know, but I can't do it, you know? And so it's not about that. It's really, I often say, Tiffany, that it's really a living problem, not an eating problem. Okay. So we have to look at our stress. You know, are we doing too much? You know, mm -hmm. just you know, gone overboard and saying, yes, you know, my, my experience with emotional eaters is we oftentimes have trauma in our past. You know, we grew up with alcoholism or mental illness of some kind. And so we kind of didn't get a full deck of cards. Okay. So it's like, we're playing, you know, not with a full deck. And I don't mean that there's something wrong with us, but we often don't have a strong sense of ourselves. Mm -hmm. This is true for me. I had sexual abuse as a kid. And so mm -hmm. I didn't have a strong sense that I was good, that I was, you know, worthy. And so I sought validation from outside of myself way more than I should have. Okay. And this mm -hmm. up to be a people pleaser, which is definitely a telltale trait of an emotional eater. So we tend to overdo, you know, overeaters are overdoers. We tend to try to please people with our, you know, good works, you know, mm -hmm overboard, making people so impressed with us, you know, and get, mm -hmm. we to get out of girls. Right. 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 <laughs> well, and, and I think women probably do this anyway. Um, you know, we tend to be caretakers, but the people pleasing thing is a trap because what happens is we're over, we're doing too much. We're packing our day. So we don't have time for self-care. You know, we're trying to be all things to all people, which creates a lot of stress, a lot of perfectionism, mm -hmm. a lot of you know, self-criticism when we don't meet the mark, you know, we don't, we don't do everything we say we're going to do. Um, and this sets us up really for overeating because not only are we tired and stressed, 
But we're also often very disappointed in other people, uh, aka resentful, because mm-hmm. because nobody's ever as pleased as we plan on them being. Have you noticed? Right. <laughs> no matter what you do, it's going to be something you can do better. Yes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I just like knocked myself out, and you're like giving me more to do. You know. Right. So that to me, that the being between being super stressed out and burned out and resentful, it's the perfect storm for justifying the I deserve it binge. Like, screw them, I'm gonna please myself, <laughs> right? Or reward myself. So, but this is an example of how that setup, like I did that to myself based on my expectations and based on not really putting limits on my time with people, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of with the expectation of, expectation of what we're going to get back. But we have to take a look at that and say, is it really paying off for me to be, try to be superwoman? Like, is it really paying off for me to try to be superman in people's lives, you know, and all are the accolades worth it? Like here I am, you know, hundred pounds <laughs> overweight, like, what really benefit, you know, like you, it, it doesn't help, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but a diet isn't going to fix that, you know? And so what I often tell people is you have to really change the way you're living. And I don't just mean, oh, you need to go exercise. Like it goes beyond diet and exercise. We're talking about ways that we're showing up in life. We have to stop people pleasing. We have to have boundaries mm-hmm. in our time. We have to let somebody else pick up the slack and not always be the one to say, I'll do it because it comes with a price. A very large price, Tricia. And I was thinking about that, you know, with me, I had to, you know, you have to uh, draw boundaries yeah. because, you know, you can't be, I, I, I tell people all the time and I said, you can't be God to everybody. You That's know, right. you have to make sure that you take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't be there for other people when they really need it. You know, Absolutely. and so taking care of yourself is very important and, you know, trying to, you know, and I've been like that and the Lord had to deal with me, you know, I accomplished one thing. Okay. You know, I really don't take the time to say, well, thank you, Lord. I was able to accomplish that before going on to the next thing and then completing the next project and then doing this when we need to just take the little bit of time to go back and do that. And that's probably why in the past I did have um, a lot of hunger issues. I would find myself, I would be up late and want to eat it would be a certain time of the night and I would get very hungry and I would just start eating you know at night but then I realized while I'm talking with you um and and the listeners it's just that um at night before I go to bed all of the things that I have to do all of the stresses that I've dealt with during the day, day those things come back to my mind at night And so maybe that subconsciously I could have been dealing with it that way um, and didn't even know it. And so we have to recognize our triggers and know what it is so that we can be able to deal with the emotional eating. So that's that's some great points that you brought out. Yeah, there's no question. We got, we got to, we got to make some changes. This is our life we're talking about. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, even with that, um, what, you know, we talked about, um, you know, emotional eaters and food addicts, but what's the difference between emotional hunger and physical hunger? When do you know when you're really hungry, you need food, or you're just eating because you just, you're, you're dealing with stresses or emotions? Yeah, they, they often feel like the same, don't they? You know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I've been doing this work for over 30 years and I'm still amazed. Sometimes I'll be sitting at my computer and I'll, all of a sudden I'll go, I'm so hungry. 
and I'll be thinking I should really go get some food. And then I'm like, really? Like, really? Are you hungry? And so I have this little conversation with myself. And one of the things that really helps me is that three meal magic. And this is eating three meals with nothing in between. It's a, 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 a title I, I coined. Um, and I teach my clients this. Um, but the three meals is really helpful because if I ate my breakfast at seven and at nine or, or 10 in the morning, I'm just convincing myself I'm starving. I can look back and say, really, are you starving? Or, you know, you had a healthy breakfast, you ate eggs, you had some vegetables, you know, you had some good meat or whatever. And it's like, oh, maybe I'm not. So what's really going on? And then you can take that pep test. You know, is there something mm-hmm. I'm worried about? Is there something I don't, I'm trying to avoid that I don't want to do? Is there a conversation I'm replaying in my head that's causing me stress? I need to take care of it, you know? And so that's really helpful is when we are eating on a regular, you know, eating the three meals back to that three meal magic. When we're doing that, then in between the meals, if we're hungry, it's probably, unless it's just right close to the next meal, time for the next meal, it's probably emotional. And then mm-hmm. we can a look and also just asking the question, like, what am I really hungry for? You know, if I'm, and this is why skipping meals is such a trap because, you know, if you skip meals and you don't know if it's physical or hungry, you know, emotional, whereas if you are eating on a regular schedule, you know, and you're eating good, healthy foods, chances are it's emotional. And then you can dig into that. But if we don't have that space between our meals, we won't be able to identify the emotions. And that's what we want to get better at is really seeing how connected our emotions are to our eating and to our hunger. That's great. And listeners, I'm going to have the information for Tricia, even on this podcast, so you can go to her website because she has great information that will be able to help you to recognize and the PEP is on there. So you will be able to follow that and recognize what are your triggers and what you are dealing with. But like you said, Tricia, and I recognize it again, I would say at night, you know, I could have eaten, but then all of a sudden I get very, very, very hungry. And it necessarily wasn't not that I may have been hungry. I could have been sleepy. And I've done it a couple of times and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm sleepy. I just need to go to sleep, you know? And once I go to sleep, then I'm fine. And so you, you really have to recognize those triggers. Totally. And also it can be as simple as drinking some water. You know, oftentimes when we're dehydrated, it can feel like hunger, physical hunger. But sometimes if you just drink a tall glass of water, you just, you don't feel hungry anymore. You like, you just Mm -hmm. need hydration. That's true. That is so true. Well, I'm going to, I have one more question and we're going to let her go. So, but I have really been enjoying this. I wanted to ask, is there more to emotional eating than just eating too much for emotional reasons? Yes. And some (laughs) of the things we talked about, like the people pleasing, I have in my book, something called the anatomy of the emotional eater, and it's 24 personality traits that make, Mm. uh, you know, an emotional eaters personality. Like I find that we definitely we really take the cake on some of these traits, pardon the pun. So, (laughs) um, so yes, people pleasing. I had mentioned that, um, caretaking, we tend to be really big caretakers where we take problems. Mm -hmm. 
do get resentful very easily. Um, you know, expectations, we don't express ourselves oftentimes, like our real feelings. Oftentimes we'll put a smile on our face and say, oh, I'm fine, but that is not really true, you know? And so these are some of the traits of, an, of the anatomy of the emotional eater that have to be addressed. So it's not just about the food and the weight, you know, and the self-care. It's also about really taking a look at the way we're showing up in our life. Some of the, some of these things we developed as a kid, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what our childhood was like, we tend to take on like, like the people pleasing that could have been from having an alcoholic parent. Like, you're just like, you better be a people pleaser, you know, or you get your, your butt whooped. Right. right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, and so you, we do this as a kid, like as a survival skill, or if you have a parent who's alcoholic or, or if there's mental illness or something in your family, you know, you can grow up really fast and develop these, these, you know, hypervigilance and controlling mm-hmm. like develop these things as survival skills but as as adults they don't work they backfire on us you know like we can't be control freaks and expect to not create some problems in our relationships whereas being a controller might have served you in a really chaotic childhood household so we have to take a look at some of these traits and make some changes. So that's really what, you know, in my experience is going to help a lot is again, addressing the living problem, Mm -hmm. not just the eating problem. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today on the podcast. This has been great information and I have just really been enjoying it and going to put it in my repertoire so I can have, and also for all of those that are listening, we're going to, uh, if you would just give us a little bit more of how we can get in touch with you. You bet. And thanks again for having me. It's such a pleasure. Um, I, uh, my website is healyourhunger.com. That's H E A L healyourhunger.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram at Trisha Nelson underscore the underscore is at the end of, uh, Nelson, Uh, and I also have a Facebook group called the secret sauce to end emotional eating now. And so that's really, um, wonderful as well. Um, it's a great place to just get, be among other emotional eaters on a healing path. All right. And listeners, again, I will have all of that information for you in this podcast section so that you can go and just be able to click on the link and go and find out so much information that you need. And I know that there are some listeners that have been listening and you think that you may have thought that it is impossible um, to be able to lose weight or to eat the way you desire to eat and to be healthy. And so that's why we brought Tricia on here today to be able to give you some tools and some solutions to help you on your journey in order to be a healthy person and make it a lifestyle. You know, I said, you know, one thing the Lord told me, he said, you know, you can't keep going and going and going and not taking care of yourself. That's right. Um, And so that means eating right. That means exercising. That means resting. And that means learning how to say no sometimes when we don't want to say no, but it is important for us to be able to do that. And so I'm believing in you and I'm encouraging you today that you can do it. Don't count it 
yourself out and say, I cannot do it. I've tried everything. Well, if you've tried everything, then try uh, the tools that Trisha has available so that you can run and go and be in a new process. And I know that it will work for you. So we are excited for what God is going to do in your life. And I encourage you to know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Until the next episode, we will see you again. God bless. Thank you for listening to Tasty Tidbits with Dr. Tiffany Watkins. If you're enjoying the show, feel free to subscribe, rate, and share with your friends. To learn more about Dr. Tiffany, check out her blog on goodreads.com or visit her website at www.renewedfaithministriesinc.com. Until next time, stay blessed.